Happy holidays, all you guys and gals in the snowy hinterlands. It's Rock, and today, Max and I are going to do something a little bit different here at Nightmares and Daydreams, y'all. Yes, we are. Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. All that. All that. So, as y'all know, or as we hope you guys know, we do a ton of research for the show. We get a lot of notes, talking points, stories to tell for each episode, and then we get with the bard of the show, the great and powerful Teresa Joy, and we work on the music. But today, today we want to relax with you, lovely listeners. Just kind of shoot the breeze about the holidays. Just chill. Miss whatever else comes to mind. Tacos. Exactly. Always tacos. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're calling these episodes freestyle. And it just gives Rock and myself... A bit more freedom to go off topic, as you know we're want to do. Mm-hmm. So we're going to touch on some of our favorite topics, and let's just see where it goes. We're pretty bad at focusing, but, you know, Max, this might be fun. And, of course, you folks out there in the hinterlands will let us know if it isn't. <laughs> they always do. Because if it sucks, we want to know. Uh, we want it to be fun for y'all as well as us. So, Like we all say, fun is important. It's the best, and 2020 hasn't been very fun at all so far. <laughs> I vote that 2021 be more fun. We need retroactive fun, like backlogged fun. We'll just come back 2021, back on the chain gang. So, Maxie, dude, it's Christmas time, that stuff. What have you been up to, man? You doing the Christmas shopping? You guys exchanging gifts? You got the tree up, all that? We do have the tree up. We actually, since we got Rook, our dog that we got a couple of years ago, adopted. Super from the cute. APA. Got a smaller tree because we wasn't we weren't sure if he would be the type of dog who would leave the tree alone or not. So we got a smaller tree up on a table up in the front of the house, and then we moved the big tree out onto our screened-in porch. So now we have two trees, double the pleasure. Oh wow! Must be must be nice to be wealthy enough to have two trees in your palatial estate. <laughs> You know, two trees, we're rich. Yeah, like you're like a two-tree uh, financial household right there. Uh, I mean, the big tree we've, because we use a artificial tree, so we've had that tree for like 20 years. Nice, nice. So has Rookie been a good boy or has he been going after that other tree? Yeah, no, he's he's fine. It was unfounded concerns. So. Better safe than sorry. And I know you're old school. You have your tree filled with those legit candles and, you know, fire and stuff like that. So the last thing you want is your dog to burn down your house. <laughs> yeah, not so much, but that would be pretty sweet. So, hey, man, it's Christmas time, as all you folks out there know, whatever holidays you're celebrating. And we are a supernatural podcast, dude. So, like, what's your favorite holiday monster or myth? Krampus is always cool, right? During our last holiday, last Christmas, our first Christmas, during our Spirits of Christmas episode, we didn't really talk about him. We just kind of, like, mentioned him and went on to some lesser-known stuff. But, yeah, I mean... Krampus is definitely legit. He's everywhere during this time as well. You know, if you have that dark Christmas outlook, let's dress up like Krampus and go scare the hell out of some kids and uh, beat him with some sticks, you know? It's good fun in Austria and Bavaria. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's, it's what they do. Yeah, you, you mentioned Bavaria. Uh, he's popular in Northern Europe, Central Europe, even as far south as Northern Italy, pretty much all the Alpine region as far as I understand. Any place where you ski and you have snow and trees that smell like Christmas, Krampus is going to be out there raising hell. Eh? <laughs> Do we know anything about the origins of Krampus? 
from what I was able to gather, he was pre-Christian origins for sure. Like he's been around forever. And uh, some scholars posit that he might be the horned god that a lot of witches and practitioners of black magic <laughs> looked up to for spells back in the day. I mean, hey, anything with horns, they're like, hey, this is a witches worship this. Exactly. Cows, goats, you know, all that kind of stuff like that. So uh, the one thing that we did run across, though, is that he was banned in Austria in 1932 by the regime in power and uh, the Christian Social Party. Those damn Christians. And in the 50s, pamphlets were distributed to the populace that said, Krampus is an evil man. (laughs) First of all, he's probably not a man. Yeah, I'm not sure man applies, but evil is probably right. Although, I mean, he punishes evil, right? So In the lore, and I could be tripping here because, again, we haven't done a lot of research on this, but he's one of the the sidekicks of St. Nicholas. Am I right? I think that's right. Uh, Or at least he works in concert with good old St. Nick. And just imagine that. I've seen some of the drawings and pictures from back in the day. You got this fat Santa Claus, very friendly, red, with this bag. And then you got Krampus, this devil behind him with sticks, a long tongue, and a bag. Scooping up the baddies. And the kids are looking terrified. You're like, which which one, man? I want that train in that bag. I don't want to be thrown in the other bag and dragged down to hell. You know, it's nice because it allows St. Nicholas to uh, do the good part of the job. And he just has somebody else do the unpleasant parts. Because the last thing you wanted, back then especially, was to be on that naughty list. That naughty list was a ticket to hell. You don't even get cold now. You just... Nothing. Maybe you get the PS4 instead of the PS5. You go back to the Atari 2600 if you're naughty. (laughs) But that, you know, has a kind of fashionable old school cachet, so... Exactly. And if you have all the games, you could probably sell it for some nice cachet on (laughs) eBay, man. Shifting gears... You did you have the twenty six hundred when you were a young child of like ten? Man, I didn't have any, I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything till like the Sega Genesis. Oh, nice, nice. So one of the things that they fooled you with, right? And again, this is us going off topic, like we do. Yeah. The twenty six hundred when you would get the cartridges, right? The cartridges had the most amazing artwork. I mean, it looked incredible. Yeah. And then you threw that. And your 2600 turned it on and there were freaking squares and circles. And I was like, yo, this looks nothing like that, you know, the the artwork on the cartridge. But I'm loving it anyway. You know, now the games are like movies. Yeah, exactly. You know, let's just go back to Krampus real quick. Yeah, sorry. Got us off track. I guess that's what this is about. So, hey. That's what this is about. Yeah. He's obviously been back with a vengeance and Krampus knocked, which is December 5th is sort of a thing. And it's not just in the, I guess, Alpine countries or, you know, Eastern Europe or what what have you. It's like across the world. But y'all are in the clear because we we already are past that. So Yes, exactly. It's past the fifth. And uh, it's a thing where just people across the world dress up as Krampus in these elaborate masks and costumes. And they just go across their towns raising hell, you know, getting drunk and harassing the local squares you know, as they party like the great horn lord of old, you know, like drinking drinking beers, beating up people on alleyways, as it should be during the holidays, right, Max? Just having just having fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's wrong with the little rowdiness? Speaking of rowdy, the other thing that you people out there need to know if you run into Krampus in the street, just offer him a little schnapps, because that's his uh, drink of choice, according to the lore. 
I mean, that works for a lot of people, not just Krampus. I mean, yeah, if you like that peppermint schnapps, I think you got to be German, though. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had some schnapps. You? I mean, I know you had some this morning with your waffles. Yeah, not in ages, yeah. So, yeah, he is everywhere. I know we talk about Hellboy on this podcast a lot, and there was a great story involving Krampus. And you love you some Hellboy. Mike Manola, great with the lore, man. But the story is like Hellboy's in Germany. There's this goat demon kidnapping kids. It's Krampus. He thinks he's this uh, general in Hell's army. But he's not. Hellboy beats him up, and he's just <laughs> he's just a Yule goat, yeah, that has been under a magic spell for hundreds of years. So, you know, the Yule goat, which is another thing. Look it up, folks. Anywhere else that we want to talk about seeing Krampus? Well, man, as we kind of uh, alluded to in our last, last year's Christmas spirits, the Venture Brothers episode uh, was yeah. where I remember seeing him again like, for the first time after hearing about him. That was on the episode of Very Venture Christmas, and that one's pretty rad. You guys got to go check it out. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Just as a little last aside before uh, we go on to whatever the next topic is. Who knows? (laughs) But speaking of holiday monsters or myths, another one that I ran into, also a German, apparently they just Mm -hmm. really like their kind of very dark uh, holiday spirits. Listen, man, the best dark holiday spirits and beers come out of Germany. They're all organic. Fact. (laughs) Well, if you haven't heard of it, a creature called Schnabelperten. Schnabelperten. That's good. That's good enunciation, Max. (laughs) I love it. It's out of Germany. And on January 5th, Schnabelperten comes to your house, right? Mm-hmm. Schnabelperchten looks around your house, and if your house is messy, I guess, in anticipation of the wise men coming on January 6th, if it's messy, she gets her scissors out and cuts open your stomach Wow! and gets all the dirt all right. that's lying about your house and shoves it into your stomach. Keep your house clean, at least until Epiphany, people. So does she... So she goes in your house, if your house is dirty... Does she, is is it magic? Does she just kind of like sew you back up and you have some dirt in your stomach or does she kill you entirely? You know, I'm not sure about that. I I would imagine you might die from having a gut full of dirt, <laughs> but either way, whether she sews you up or not, I didn't see anything about the sewing bit, so. Well, I guess it just uh, depends how much of a stickler Schnabelperkton is. Uh, you know, what if you just have some boxes left over? I mean, it sounds like she's into tidiness. So, yeah, she probably sews you up. Exactly. She probably sews you up, makes you right, gives you some uh, antibiotics and some drugs to <laughs> yeah. get you going. Schnabelperkton. She's bought by Big Pharma. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even start. All right, Max. So, it's time for the news. Shall we get into something beyond Christmas legends right now, Maxie? Yeah, let's. What's What's going on? All right. So listen, man, we are in Texas. We're in the Lone Star State. Let's get into some Texas cryptid news, okay? This comes straight from Lon Strickler's, the great Lon Strickler's Phantom and Monsters website. And there was a cryptid canine encountered in Cass County, Texas. Cass County, Texas. That's West Texas, right? It's East Texas, actually. It's uh, actually Northeast Texas, you know, kind of up on the Louisiana border right there. Okay. I believe your better-looking significant half is might be from that neck of the woods, maybe. She's from the deep woods, yeah. I can tell. I can tell. You can just tell when someone's from the deep woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have that haunted look about this. <laughs> exactly. That always looking behind them, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, I'm just going to get into this report again from Lon Strickler's Phantom and Monsters websites. And uh, these are two different accounts, two different eyewitness accounts, and again from Cass County, Texas. And both were night sightings and seemed to involve an upright cryptid canine, which, you know, we all love our dog men up here. So I'm just going to go through this real quick. First witness says, I was driving on a rural road in Cass County, Texas. There was not a lot of traffic that night, so she had her bright lights on. We were passing through a particular wooded stretch, woods on both sides of the road, no street lights, so the only thing illuminating the road were our headlights. We came up over a slight hill, and there it was about 20 yards ahead. It was massive, very dark in color, and was walking across the road upright on two funny-looking legs. It started to slow down, and we just watched in shock as it crossed the road in front of our car and ran off into the woods. Now, we drove in silence for a minute trying to process what we had just seen. As we started to talk about it, we realized that we had both seen it, gave similar descriptions of it. There was no way it was human or bear-like, and both saw a more dog-like rather than ape-like creature. We are both completely creeped out by the whole thing. The legs were bizarre, long and skinny, but bent backwards, if that makes sense. It appeared to be covered in black fur, and we could see a long snout which made us think dog. Could not make out eyes or ears. It never looked directly at us, so it was a profile view that we saw. It literally looked like a giant wolf walking on its hind legs across the highway. If I had to guess, it might have been about seven and a half to eight feet tall. It was huge, and did not appear to be afraid or even acknowledge that our car was headed straight for it. Sent in by L. Dude, so the legs bent backward, Max. That is a hallmark of kind of these dogmen werewolf sightings. Yeah, I would say, I mean, so it sounds to me, honestly, mm-hmm. the first thing that I think of is the Beast of Bray Road, yeah. which is a similar kind of yeah. mm-hmm. uh, dog person, cryptid type thing up in Wisconsin. Dogman. Um North of Madison area, I think. Have dogs will travel. I mean, those things started up in the kind Yeah, maybe, you know, winters are tough in Wisconsin. I hey, mean, you're from there, man. You know, that's nothing but white. We've all seen grumpy old men where they just ice fish and drink beer all day. <laughs> so so I'm saying like like in 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 all seriousness, those these cryptid encounters of dogman or wolfman or the hot button term werewolf. Yeah. They've uh, definitely spread out. They've gone from, you know, Linda Godfrey, the great Linda Godfrey with all her books on it, like The Beast of Bray Road, to very much like everywhere now. I mean, I'm not saying they're not as ubiquitous as Bigfoot or anything, but definitely no longer just to that part of the world, part of the country, as it was in the late 80s, early 90s. How do we differentiate or do we classify them any differently, talking between werewolves and something like these dog men or dog people, is it just that one we're looking at from at least a intentionally like a scientific point of view and one is more legendary, mythical, or are they potentially the same thing, just described differently? Yeah, I mean, that's, and I think that's entirely up to the person, right? I mean, let's face it, werewolf has a stigma attached to it. You say that, people are like, dude, you're crazy. Right. But, you know, so this dog man, there's the Michigan dog man and 
The reports, from what I've read, and I've read a ton, they're very similar, you know, kind of German Shepherd-like head, pointed ears. One of the big things that when people cite these upright canid creatures, you know, these walking dogs, walking wolves, like, so they're on their back legs, the legs are skinny, they seem bent backwards, and this next part varies depending on the sighting. Some say the actual, like, this creature is holding its paws up like a dog would be if they're standing up just where their paws out front and they've seen their paws look like canine paws. In other sightings, the upper, you know, limbs are actual, they look like human limbs, except, you know, longer with clawed hands and stuff like that. So those are two different kinds, you know, like, I'd be a little more afraid if I saw a creature running at me with claws that were going to, you know, that could do what they want, as opposed to like a a dog when they're on their hind legs with their kind of paws out in front, right? That's still trippy, but not as scary. Of course, driving down a highway, seeing something in the night, one could forgive a witness for seeing something slightly wrong or whatever, which I mean, and I don't know which one is the right way or if there's two different things going on, but there could be variations just in what your brain perceives or tells you it perceives. Yeah. You know, it's hard to know at 40, 50 miles an hour in the dark. Well, listen, they need to look better because I am saying like, if they have claws and hands like us, that's a werewolf. If it's cute little paws out front when the dog's on its back legs, that's a dog, man. Boom. We literally just made the classification clean. We need some Russians out here driving, you know, how they all have video cameras on their cars. Because they can't drive, you know, they would pretty much kill the damn dog man, just run into it. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Shifting gears, I got a good friend from Russia and he goes back every once in a while and I asked him about the driving. He's like, dude, they're crazy. He's like, if you wear a seatbelt, they make fun of you. He's like, you know, it's just nuts. So listeners out there, don't drive in Russia or if they make fun of you, still put on your seatbelt. Yeah. It's okay to be made fun of every now and then. Absolutely. So, Max, I'm going to get into the second story, uh, again, going with this uh, dogman sighting. Yeah. As we were driving home, I noticed something was running alongside the car. It was just behind my window, behind where the edge of the door ends and before where the back window begins. I looked over at the speedometer, 40 miles an hour. I looked at my friend. He was looking straight ahead, but seemed to be scared. I looked straight ahead. I could still see it. I could see one huge arm, matted hair, reddish-brown, sticky-looking, and primal. This occurred in Cass County, Texas. My friend has also seen it, and he said it was canine and thought it may have been a skinwalker. I have no idea what it was. Submitted by S.T. So, I have to say, when that took me straight back to our skinwalkers episode. Yes. Describing, you know, I think they were... Mostly in New Mexico, maybe some in Arizona. Yeah, it was in, uh, there were there were several sightings in Window Rock, yeah. Arizona. Remember, we were going to have a vacation there and we decided to postpone <laughs> it. So you're absolutely right. That's what I do recall. Like, And that's the thing, the Skinwalker lore, just running alongside, trying to feed on that fear. You know, it just seems like they're banging on the roofs of the cars and then just, yeah. you know, matching the car going 70, 80 miles an hour and they just run off into the night. Who knows? I'm not certain if there are any Native American reservations around there. East Texas, do you know? You're the uh, smart guy in this podcast. uh, I'm not smart right now. I, I really don't know. But hey, monsters travel as we know. That honestly 
goes with the skinwalker archetype that we've looked at, the matted, sticky-looking hair on these creatures, you know? So this person saw one huge arm, like... I'm kind of confused. Like, was that arm just kind of when you're running that you're kind of pumping your arms next to the next to the car? And they just saw that sturdy looking primeval sticky arm with reddish hair. Well, and presumably this person was describing a daytime encounter, right? Because how do you recognize that the hair is, quote unquote, sticky looking if this is a nighttime encounter? They didn't say. Again, both sightings occurred in Cass County, Texas. So. All of our listeners in Cass County, Texas, if y'all have any info, hit us up on our website, Nightmares Podcast. Yeah, we'd love to hear. Y'all can find us. Yeah, that'd be really cool. First person encounters, yeah. Let us know. So, Max, why don't you tell us about, when we were talking about this before the show, uh, Chupacabras in Russia? What's going on with that? So, yeah, speaking of Russia, there's a report coming out of the village of Alexivsky, which is in far western Russia, Well, let me just read the report. The killings, how else to call it, of domestic animals occurred a week earlier. At least four cases are known. The most interesting thing is that the unknown creature does not eat the carcasses of animals and birds. Of all the injuries on the bodies of the rabbits and chickens, two stab wounds in the neck, like marks from a vampire's teeth. Obviously, Bonicula is the culprit. Uh, I mean, hey, right? You know, you got to be careful. <laughs> Bunnies can be dangerous, let's be honest. As Monty Python showed us very clearly. <laughs> Anything else from this, these poor Russian farmers? And it goes on to say, I want to warn all residents of Udmurtia that the Chupacabras has appeared in the village of Malaya Venya. All poultry and rabbits in several houses were destroyed in one week. Ours were locked up in the corral, and the next morning they also died, like those of our neighbors. The message of a local resident says, in any case, you folks get the idea. The woman asked the head of the region to take the problem seriously. I still didn't understand who the Chupacabras was. Obviously, they wouldn't know in Russia, but now they do. So there you go. Chupacabras. Originally, we thought it was Bernicula, but turns out it's our good old friend from South Texas, the Chupacabras. Yeah, and that's the thing that we have to figure out. Is it the Cuero Cabra, which is a mere 1.5 hours from ATX down south? Uh, or is it the Puerto Rican Chupacabra that appeared on the X-Files? Oh, yeah. You know, which one's going to travel more? I'd probably say the Puerto Rican one. Well, the, it was the Puerto Rican one, the original one, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the OG one, can travel in spaceships. They come out of flying saucers out of the El Yunque rainforest in Puerto Rico. So yeah, he could head over to Russia, have a party, right? Oh, for sure. I mean. Who knows? Maybe he likes Russian food. For aliens, that's a quick trip, so. Literally. Anything else on this Russian chupacabra flap? (laughs) Okay. And actually, Rock, this is not the first time that the mythological animal has been evoked in Russian or at least Slavic countryside. Hmm. Um, in fact, like despite it being mostly an American or North American tradition, mm-hmm. I guess tradition is not the right word, but you know what I mean. So since 2009, they've been finding dead animals that match the description of the victims of Chupacabras in Ukraine, of all places. Oh, wow. I don't know. Maybe, you know, Chernobyl attracted the aliens. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's all connected. But anyway, they there have been herds of herds of creatures killed livestock and farmers 
talking about it was chupacabras. So. Hey, man, these farmers that are, you know, in the hinterlands get the web as well. So they're like, hey, there is a uh, blood sucking goat sucker out there, something like that. If he sucks goats, he can suck anything. That's true. I mean, <laughs> they can just as well as we look at it leaves this kind of corpse behind. Exactly. What would do this? They get on the Internet, go to Reddit, Russian Reddit. Ukrainian Reddit. Exactly. And say, oh my God, the Chupacabras matches perfectly. Exactly. Or, you know, it could be the Cuero Cabra, you know, those those blue dogs. Yeah, the gobblers. <laughs> the Cuero gobblers. Shout out to Cuero, Texas. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I just want to say, I do think the Texas Chupacabras is superior to the uh, Puerto Rican one. Hey, he's from Texas. I mean, he's bigger, right? Uh, you know, I don't know if he's bigger, but... Hey, everything from Texas is big. Look, so... Yeah, exactly. So, look, if you have to encounter one of these versions of the Chupacabra, okay, the Texas Chupacabras, which is a canine, like a hairless canine, looking all freaky, yeah. or the Puerto Rican Chupacabra, which is like a three-foot-tall reptilian humanoid Spikes in the back, big red eyes. Uh, some say it has bat-like wings, kangaroo-like legs. Right. Which one do you want to encounter? I'll take the mangy coyote. Yeah, like it's that guy's way easier to handle. We have him yeah. on film, you know, running in front of cops' cars down in Cuero. That other one, man, like that's the legit one. You know, that is the one that will just, you know... He's been sighted flying. Like, apparently the El Yunque Rainforest in Puerto Rico is a known UFO hotspot. You know, there's all kinds of stuff, and there's apparently a lot of government labs down there. So who knows where that guy came from? But I'd say if it was one or the other, that's the thing that got in its little craft and flew over to Mother Russia to have some Russian food. Man, what a great accent that was. It's so good. Yeah, dude. Perfect. I'm going to do some voiceover work after this, Max. I can tell you've been practicing. Again, my Russian friend, he talks like this. Hey, Rug, people in Russia, they can't drive, bro. Let's drink some Lone Star. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, man. Let's let's get some breakfast tacos, bro. They, they like Lone Star in Russia? Yeah, hell yeah. They love Lone Star. They also love breakfast tacos. All right, listen, Max, let's shift gears. Uno mas. Tis the season of giving, man. What are you getting me? Do you have any Dude. recommendations? Do you need me to make a list or? I don't need a list. I'm going to give you all my favorite books that I've read this year. Um, all your favorite books. Nice. Digital versions, I assume, because... Oh, for sure. Yeah. The wife and I just moved and we have no space on our bookshelf. And you know how that is. We love trees on this podcast, people. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm telling you, you want to see some massive bookshelves? Max has massive bookshelves. <laughs> Messy as hell, too. No rhyme or reason last time I was there. Maybe he fixed them up. Hey, that's not true. <laughs> I do have rhyme, and I have reason as well. A little bit of rhyme. I recall those bookshelves being... Probably slightly less reason even, but... Being stacked to the rim. I'm like, oh my God, it's awesome. I was, I was super impressed. Yeah, so you haven't been there since we set up. We have the library, oh, the front Jesus. bedroom that used to be the guest room is now just a library. Listeners. And a, and a D&D &D room. Dear listeners, <laughs> Max has two Christmas trees, <laughs> a library, <laughs> a room dedicated solely to the best game ever invented, Dungeons and Dragons. Wow, Max, <laughs> I'm honored to do this with Bruce Wayne. Do you dress up at night and just go fight crime in Austin, <laughs> you know, something like that? Because, yeah, you're just living. That sounds very effortful. Living your best life right now. I'm busy. I'm busy reading all my books. You clearly haven't been to the library lately. I haven't. 
organized A to Z. We call it the Bibliotheque, and but you know that's just people come to your library when they say "Donde esta biblioteca?" They show up at your house. Well, very impressive. <laughs> when the COVID's over, I'm going to head over there and uh, All right. rate your library. Absolutely, for sure. In the meantime, let me tell you about some of the books that I've read this year. Okay. So first, I want to start with young adult fantasy fiction. But Max, I'm an old adult, so I'm just saying. Yeah, I know, but we love YA fantasy fiction on this. I do love YA. So this book is called Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Bayron. Sounds lovely so far. (laughs) So basically it takes place a couple hundred years after the Cinderella dynasty or whatever. Actually, the dynasty is still in place. Things She's dead. Things have gone south. There's a young peasant girl trying to make her way. She's kind of the hero of the story. I don't want to give away too many plot points, but it's just really good. It's not sounding so great, so I would just stop right there and let us no, know dude, that it's... Trust me. It's a bestseller. It's actually it's actually very good. All jokes aside, you read amazing books, so I'm sure it's awesome. Send me the audio book. Thank you very much. What what other one do you got for us? What other gem? Cinderella's Dead is the first one, y'all, by right. Kaylin Bayron. So there's another book... I'm actually excited about, but I haven't read it yet because it's not out in the U.S. yet. But I do want to tell you all about it because it comes out soon in the U.S. It's called Woodland Folk Tales of Britain and Ireland. Oh, that's right up my alley. By Lisa Schneidau. It's folk tales of the woodland of Britain and Ireland. So Pretty self-explanatory. Okay, good one. I'm going to keep an eye out for that one. So another book I read, and I actually, this is one of my favorite books I've ever read, to be honest with you, and it's called Braiding Sweetgrass. It's not strictly speaking... Sweetgrass. So so is that like Native American? It is, yeah. So the author, Robin Wall Kimmerer, is a Native American, and uh, she's a botanist. So she's talking about interacting with the environment but also weaves in folklore myth a lot of like Potawatomi which is her tri- her people we weaves in a lot of Potawatomi f- lore and stuff like that um mm-hmm. it's very good i love that book so much is it super long uh no not terribly a couple hundred pages braiding sweetgrass sweetgrass is awesome uh, my wife has that in our house so that's basically a, a non-fiction book got it very good and it includes some Native American lore. Anything else? The last book that I do want to recommend is... Finally. (laughs) You're finally done. Almost. Uh, Fantasy fiction by Alex Harrow, and it's called The Once and Future Witches. Oh, that's a good title. Which obviously is kind of a callback to... Once and Future King. The Once and Future King, King Arthur kind of thing. It's kind of an alternative history fantasy book. Okay. Um, where there's more magic in the world. These women are being oppressed and they're trying to get their powers back, uh, like their magical powers back Mm -hmm. because witches used to be really strong and now they're not as strong. Oh, we can't have them too strong. Like that's Yeah, you got to be careful. But (laughs) anyway, the characters are amazingly written. World building is fantastic. The history, the alternative history works really well. I strongly recommend it. So you've read that one as well. Man, Max, yeah. you do a lot more reading than I. <laughs> so which is, I, I literally only read for the podcast. I love lore books. So that Woodland Folk Tales of Britain and Ireland, I'm definitely going to get that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the Once in Future Witches sounds 
Pretty awesome. Hey, what's that? Speaking of witches, what's that one show on Amazon that is based on those books? Is it a history of witches, a something of witches? Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, a... A gaggle of witches? <laughs> it's it's something very close to that. It's a discovery of witches. That's it. A disco- Yeah, my wife loves those books, man. She read them years ago when they came out. And- yeah, I remember when they came out and for some reason I didn't start reading them and then I felt like, Oh, I'll have a lot of catching up to do, so I just haven't ever gotten around to it. But it seems like people really love them. And I guess now there's a show or whatever, so... Yeah, yeah, people... Now may be the time to read them. Yeah, I think it's second or third season on on Prime. Might be, it might be, yeah. So, hey, I know you and I were super stoked whenever Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell came out, and that was a great show. For sure. Is there a sequel coming, or was I tripping on that? So... Actually, there is not that I know of. Oh, good job. Although... Someone lied to me. She did She did come out with that book of short stories very recently after Jonathan Strange came out. Was that, Su- what's her, is that Susanna Clark or... Yeah, Susanna Clark. But she did come out with a book this year for the first... Like, and, it, and it was the first book she'd come out with since the Jonathan good Strange. old days of Jonathan Strange. So that book was like 2,000 pages. Was her new book like super long? No, the new book is only like 200 pages. It's called Piranesi. What took you so long, Susanna? Come on, player. <laughs> well, who are you, George Martin? You got to be faster than that. <laughs> but it's but it's quite, it's, it's my understanding that it's very different. I have it on my bookshelf to read, but I haven't read it yet. But it was a finalist for the Goodreads Best of 2020 fantasy books, so... It's obviously a lot of people love it. It didn't win, but it was a finalist. So the big question is, where did you put it in the library? Do you have a Jonathan <laughs> Strange section or nonfiction? Do you have a witch section? No, the fiction books are just alphabetical by yeah, author. Sound like I like color. I go color and all that stuff like that. With oh no, I I can't stand organizing <laughs> books by with color. With all my comic books like that. All right, so my turn. Like. What are my recommendations for Christmas, dear listeners? Yeah. I would go with the Xbox Series X. That's the first thing right there. There you go. Because Not the PS5? No, I'm not a PS person. I had the first PS1 back in the day when we were but young young lads. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go for the Xbox Series X and uh, get an Audible account because then you can listen to all these fine books Max are talking about. Jeez, uh, what books have I read? We do love audiobooks. I do love audiobooks. I read a lot of books. You know, they're just really handy as you're doing your stuff, making your way around this world, have your headphones on and, you know, getting some work done. And if you drive a lot, you've got to have audiobooks. Exactly. And podcasts, which is why we do this podcast. Yeah. All right, Max. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the recommendations. I'm definitely going to look at some of those and uh, yeah, judge the hell out of you if I don't like them. <laughs> Do we have uh, any more monster news, anything like that, any more cryptid news for our awesome listeners out there? You know, um, there is one thing that I uh, wanted to talk to you about. and Sounds serious, Max. <laughs> is it about drugs? It's very serious. It's, uh, have you ever heard of the Mogollon Rim Monster? Of course I have, my man. That's an Arizona monster, if I'm not mistaken. It is. I mean, and I know you you know Arizona like the back of your hand, so... I spend a lot of time here, folks. My wife is from this area, so we travel back and forth quite often. So, yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, the Mogollon Rim is a ridge... Is it southeast of Sedona? Yeah. Kind of north of Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... 
It's a thing. Yeah, it's it's a whole area. There's hiking, camping, you know, trail riding, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, apparently Arizona has its very own Bigfoot type creature, and it's called the Mogollon Ridge Monster because that's the area it was mm-hmm. first seen in, first reported in in the early 20th century by I.W. Stevens. But it has been seen as recently in the 2000s, at least. In 2006, a woman, Colette Altaha, of the White Mountain Apache Nation. Shout out to the White Mountain Apache Nation. Indeed. All of our listeners in the White Mountain Apache Nation. All of them, there's a ton, man. I'm sure we're super popular over Mm -hmm. there. But she said that sightings in the reservation are increasing. And so apparently she's not the only one who's seen our good friend Mogollon over there. Just cutting in real quick. The thing that I've heard about the Mogollon monster as well is that it is Bigfoot-like. Yeah. But it's super duper aggressive. Oh, wow. Leave it Leave it to Arizona to have the aggressive one, man. Come on. Like, it'll, it'll like, come at you, man. It's not like this, you know, we have this... Uh, yeah. Kind of picture of Bigfoot and Bigfoot is like this. Oh, and the ones in Oregon, they just smoke pot and chill. Like, exactly, man. Like, you know, like I'm sure the ones in Texas are great and gentle herbivores with big flat teeth that eat grass and they just <laughs> like Harry and the Henderson. No, man, but the Mogollon Rim Monster, like that dude is apparently like he's an aggressive. Oh, yeah. Bigfoot type creature. Come and get you or throw rocks at you, you know, stuff like that tear your arm off, beat you with it, that sort of thing. So if you're out hiking Mogollon style, you know, keep your Bigfoot repellent. They don't like chili pepper. You know, it's interesting that you talk about him being aggressive because the most recent sighting that I was able to find any information on was a young sociology student. He saw the Mogollon monster drinking water while he was hiking near Payson, Arizona. Payson's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, so he tried to take a photo of it but the monster ran away and ran off into the canyon. So I guess this kid was lucky or he didn't have a Slim Jim or something, but... No, like that monster was going back to his cabin, like to, you know, get his gun or something. Go get a club. <laughs> He's like... Like something. He was like, that dude was lucky he ran off with the mogey. He was going back to his house to get a weapon, bro. This is private property. <laughs> Taking a picture of me. He's like, you're lucky I don't have my knife. He's like, I'm naked. <laughs> Getting some water in the morning. Taking a picture of me. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Coming back, so... Leave it to a sociology student to not realize that, man. I tell you, Max. So we're here, and I just want to give a quick shout out. We've talked about this place. I worked there for a while. Mugshots, Austin. That's a real shame. After 18 years, Mugshots closed down. And uh, it was due to the... Just really hurting. Due to the pandemic, obviously. And there are literally endless places, endless water, watering hole bars, these hole-in-the-wall bars that are just dives, but so filled with just... Yeah, good memories, history for the people that were there. And just, we want to extend our, you know, best wishes to the guys from Mugshots. And all of you, you know, all of our listeners, man, if you have a favorite place that's shut down and it's happening all over the world, you know, hopefully they'll all come back. But yeah, that one hit us pretty hard, man. It was like, you know, they were closed down and yeah. So, I mean, maybe once this is all done, Brian. This pandemic has hurt a lot of people. Yeah, man. And not, not just in health terms, but yeah, yeah. Just obviously, man, these businesses and these people that are gig workers, you know, and musicians and stuff like that. So support local businesses, y'all. I mean, sometimes I know it's easy to order those, uh, and podcasts and and your local podcast of the ATX, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, go out there and take that time to go to brick and mortars and stuff like that, instead of pressing that easy button and ordering offline, you know, online. But, uh, anyways, yeah. Mugshots. Love you, man. Best haunted bar in Austin. Yeah. 
Smoke shots. Shout out. So, uh, and again, this is kind of old news, but there have been a, that kind of rash of Mothman sightings. Oh, yeah, like in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, like there was several, and they have like pictures and whatnot. You know, Mothman is one of those just classic cryptid zoology things that we've, and we've spoken about this. And we're like, dude, it's all been done. You know, like what has been said, you know, the great John Keel wrote the, you know, Mothman prophecies. Uh, yeah, there's really nothing to say about the, you know, those counters, those encounters back in the late 60s. But it's really interesting, you know, like was this cryptid, this flying cryptid sighted in Chicago I mean, I feel like Mothman now is sort of like this umbrella term, right? Because Mothman, the description, you know, in the original Wisconsin sightings, uh, I mean, what was that, Point Pleasant, Point Place, Wisconsin, something like that? Or, I think um, that's right, yeah. I mean, and again, guys, we're just kind of freestyling right here. We don't have our notes in front of us. But that one was no arms, big red eyes, just wings. It flew, made that clicking sound. And so, yeah, I'm just wondering if these are actual very specific Mothman lookalikes that these folks are seeing, or they're just seeing these flying cryptids and kind of throwing them under the Mothman umbrella. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, part of the thing is once you have an archetype or a paradigm for a monster, yeah, you know, a person may just be describing what they see and the people reporting it just say, hey, oh, that sounds like a Mothman or that sounds like a Chupacabras or whatever. And that may not really be what the witness is describing. I mean, it could have been a gargoyle. It was Chicago. Harry Dresden deals with a lot of flying creatures there. <laughs> you know, it literally could have been anything. This could have been Winter Court or, you know, like whatever. Those books are great, man. I have to go back to and read them all. I mean, I haven't read them in forever, but those were... So are they ever going to make another series off of that? You know, no offense to sci-fi, but that one was pretty uh, suspect back in the day when that Dresden Files came out. I like the guy playing him, but, you know, they had like four bucks for their special effects. Yeah, the casting was the casting was fine. That's literally all we could get back then, and I think the Dresden Files deserve another chance, man, because those are great, great stories. I mean, get on Netflix or Prime, throw some cash behind that. That'd be sweet. Yeah. I don't know how many books are intended to be in the series, or is it... It's not finished yet, is it? Who knows, man? There's a ton. I don't know. All I know is that Harry Dresden gets his ass kicked in every episode, almost dies, has to make a bad deal, hard choice. I mean, that's worth it right there, right? And then comes back and, you know, barely squeaks by. Barely, barely squeaks by. That's pretty realistic, though, if you think about the kind of stuff he's up against. Yeah, exactly. If you're up against the whole Faye court and all these... Oh, man, it's... Great books, everybody. Go and see, uh, go and read those. Those are amazing. Forget about Max's books. These are actually really good <laughs> books. <laughs> there, Max is wasting your time. Okay, finally, we got we got Rock's Christmas book recommendations, folks. Dresden file. Hey, all the Harry Dresden books, right here. Jim Butcher, we got your back, baby. <laughs> and that and some Hellboy graphic novels. Yeah, it start with Seed of Destruction and also the great and powerful Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Go with uh, American Gods and the Rita Nancy Boys. You'll love it. Oh, man. Max. I think we lost our last listener. <laughs> it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> Ladies and gents, thank you guys for listening to us. We're hanging out with Max and I on this freestyle episode. And uh, let us know. Let us know if you guys like this. Yeah. And, you know, I honestly had a good, good time. This... You know, this was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Hopefully our listeners like it as much as we did. And this is basically the object of us being really busy and like, hey, let's just talk about myth, magic, monsters tacos, books, yeah. holidays, anything else that comes to mind. 
officially is so that you get to know us better. Yeah. All right, guys. So as always, please go to our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net and holler at your boys. Head on over to applepodcast.com or whatever podcast you listen to us on. And please give us that boon of the five-star review. The part of our show is the great and powerful Teresa Joy. Find and follow her at Viobrite. That's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E on Facebook and Instagram. And please head on over to patreon.com forward slash nightmares podcast. I'll holler at you boys. We love the support. We have some cool extra content there for all you guys and gals. We really do. And it's more every day. Yep. We're putting some cool stuff on there. We got some sleep stories, Max's mythology, fun stuff. As always, the best way to help us out is by sharing us with your friends. You know anyone that thinks they might like us? Share the podcast, y'all. That is the absolute best. We can really use the uh, reviews. It's a lot of fun. We want to get out there to like-minded people. Most of all, we just want people to listen and enjoy it. That's it. That's it. We want, we're very egotistical. We want you to hear and love our voices. <laughs> you need to hear our voices. Your friends do, too. So everyone, again, thanks for listening. (laughs) Have a happy, safe holidays. Be safe out there. Be good to everyone. And as always, sweet dreams.